Hi, this is Kate Luzio, founder and CEO of Luminary, New York's premier collaboration space for women who are passionate about professional development and expanding their networks. Welcome to Come Sit at Our Table, our Be a Luminary podcast. During our podcast, we'll speak to luminous leaders, exploring how they are inviting others to their table and exemplifying luminary behavior in their personal and professional lives. We welcome you to listen and come sit at our table. Good morning and welcome to Come Sit at Our Table, the Be a Luminary podcast. I'm here with Elisabetta Bartoloni, partner and head of global markets at Hydrogen Struggles. Welcome, Elisabetta. Thank you, Kate. I'm extremely flattered that you asked me to participate in your podcast series. So great to be here. Great to have you. Uh, a little bit of background on Elisabetta and my relationship. So we've known each other for, I guess, a a little over a year, maybe now a year and a half. And Elisabetta knew about Luminary before we were even launching and is also part of our corporate membership with Hydrogen Struggles. And I'm going to let her talk a little bit about that, but really want to understand your story and what's led you to where you are today. And you have such a great story, especially coming to the U.S., being an Italian citizen now an American. As well. That's as right. well, exactly. <laughs> so, yes. So, as you said, uh, I'm a partner at Hydrogen Struggles. I run our global market practice that covers capital markets, sales and trading, and research. I also have been uh, leading other practices before at Hydric, so I'm very fortunate to have had the opportunity to have leadership roles within the firm. Uh, regarding my history, I would say that you're right, I was born and raised in Florence, and I had a phenomenal childhood, great family. And one day, very early, in my early 20s, a girlfriend of mine came to my house and said, there is a scholarship to get to NYU. Why don't we apply? <laughs> and I'm like, that sounds a lot of fun. Absolutely, <laughs> let's do it. So that's how I came to the States. And I went to NYU and I love New York. I love the energy. I felt that the US culture is, was probably more in tune with my personality. And so decided to stay. Yeah. And uh, my first uh, uh, job was in financial services, was in banking at Goldman. And uh, I was, I guess, one of those kids that always thought that they knew what they wanted and they were very <laughs> sure about their next like step. Like every kid. <laughs> <laughs> and then got there and realized that, yes, I loved certain parts of it, but I didn't love the day-to-day -day of the job. I loved the people, I loved the industry, I loved the firm, but I really didn't want to do financial modeling you know, day in and day out. Right. So I thought about uh, moving into a different career, and that is a moment where it's very scary, mm -hmm. uh, especially if you are at a, you know, in financial services, and for many people it's perceived, especially here, moving into something different as a risk. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure you probably felt yeah. that as well. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but I remember having uh, a person that was a Goldman at the time, because I was asking a lot of advice, and it was a man, that really took the time to hear me out and basically said to me, you know, Elisabetta, find what you love, be the best at it, and yeah. the money will come. Yeah. And that was such a great advice that I always keep in my mind it's great throughout advice. all these years. Um, so I moved into executive search and I've been an executive search consultant for 20 years. 
That's incredible. And when you say executive search, because not everybody understands that, mm-hmm. unless they've been through recruiting or worked with recruiters, can you talk a little bit uh, about Hydric and, and what you're doing there and, and just a little bit about the, about the industry? Yes, absolutely. So Hydric is a global executive search firm, publicly traded. And we cover all sectors at the executive level. And we offer two products basically to our clients today. One is executive search, which Mm -hmm. I'll explain in a minute. And the other one is consulting. So think about coaching, assessments, um, team accelerations or personal accelerations or company accelerations and so on. Mm -hmm. Um, And regarding executive search, yes, it's basically helping clients finding qualified people to enhance their business and usually as executives that for me in my business in global markets it really goes from I would say directors to managing directors and head of groups in those areas that I described before capital markets and sales and trading and research and we got to know each other you talk a little bit about having this person early in your career after as you were deciding whether to leave Goldman or not um, that said, go do what you love. You know, you and I got introduced when I was leaving another bank, a, ba- a bank and at HSBC and decided I didn't know what I really wanted to do, but I had a similar advice from a mentor saying who was at, at the time at Citizens, but long-term JP Morgan had been a mentor of mine for a long time saying, go do what you love, figure it out. Everything else will come. And the worst that can happen is that you can go back to right. what you were doing. Um, which is really interesting because I'm sure you give that advice to women mm-hmm. or men too, yeah, but, and, and you followed it and then you really found your passion. Yes. Um, but I've also heard you talk about, um, some naysayers along the way. And you yeah. taught, you told a story recently to me about your dad sort yes. of saying, what are you doing? You're staying forever. Or when are you coming back? Yes. That's um, right. Cause you left an amazing home in Italy. You came here for, for college and then have stayed married and, and made a life here. Yes, that's right. So it's interesting because sometimes we think that people that don't believe in what we are trying to do are the people that are trying to block us or the mm-hmm. people that don't love us. Sometimes it's not the truth is sometimes it's actually the people that love us the most because they try to protect us. Mm -hmm. So in those cases, you have to have even more conviction to what you want. So uh, that story that you just uh, uh, point out to actually, yes, involved my father and my mother, actually. Mm -hmm. So uh, my mother for 10 years, actually, when I was um, going to visit her in, in Italy, she was always giving me a speech about how wrong I was of trying to make a life here versus actually doing it in Italy. And um, and she would cry every time I was leaving. <laughs> and it wasn't, a, you know, tears only because I was leaving the country. But And so she wouldn't see me for a, a period of time. But she was crying because she really was convinced I was messing up my life. Right. And then... 10 years later of this crying and uh, <laughs> she 10, years of crying. 10 years of crying, one day she calls me and she says, well, you know, Elisabetta, I was thinking about something yesterday. I really had to tell you. I'm like, yes, what's up? Well, she said, I really was thinking that you should have moved to the States earlier because you would have uh, been more integrated by now and your English would have been better and life would be easier for you. I'm like, wow, 10 years of crying and now you're telling me that I should have done it earlier. 
so anyway, that's to say that uh, you know I know that if clearly the, her heart was in the right place when she was trying to you know advise me. Yeah. But certain times I think you just know your path better than anybody else, and you just have to go for it. Did you have when you were leaving Goldman Sachs, because it's such a prestigious firm most people can make careers there and have made careers there. Did you have people when you made the move to search that said, don't do it, stay at Goldman, stay in finance yeah. in the traditional way that people think of finance? Yeah, absolutely. I had a lot of people stay, said, stay in finance, you know, this is a great path and you can um, leverage it in so many different ways within finance if really banking is not what you want to do, but there are other areas. Um, but I... Uh, I really had a very strong passion for people. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what led me and helped me throughout my career in search. So I have a very strong passion in understanding what people want, uh, what their dreams are, and uh, have the opportunity to really find them a better home. And to me, that's a privilege. Mm -hmm. And on the other side, it is a privilege also to have the opportunity to help an organization really increase their success and through a human capital, right? Through a person. And so sometimes, and usually is we need more revenues in these areas and we need the right people or we need to upgrade certain areas and we need people that come with best practices. Whatever the problem is, I like to be in that flow and really being able to advise them. And have you seen as you've been in this the search career, right? Because you've obviously dealing with a lot of different companies, but personally for you, more and more women that you're talking to, recruiting, that are coming to you, because particularly in financial services, right, yep. across mm-hmm. the board, we're trying, they're trying to recruit more women. Yep. Um, are you seeing that more and more? Or now are you seeing companies coming to you saying, we need a broader slate of candidates. Absolutely. All the companies in financial services, I would say, and, and I think broader than that, but financial services is where I spend my time, are interested in increasing their diversity at the top in general and at the mm-hmm. top. Um, and so they're very focused on having a very diverse slate of candidates and really improving also their way their way to uh, recruiting uh, to really avoid unconscious biases, for example, mm-hmm. that are really been a problem in the past. And and I feel there's been some improvements, honestly. Um, a lot to do still, but definitely there is the focus and the commitment. And the, one of the first things that when we first met, you and I talked about was, and I, I can remember this vividly over lunch, we were talking about just in general, increasing diversity. But one of the things that you were really passionate about was increasing diversity and doing more for your women at the firm. Yep. So can you talk a little bit about the things that you're doing personally, but then more broadly, I see Hydric and Struggles being a leader in this space, especially now we're working together at Luminary, but, but even more just the focus and emphasis on doing more investing in their women. Yes, absolutely. So starting from what i personally have done uh, so i co-lead our uh, women erg group which is a mm-hmm. um, employee resources group and uh, it is uh, a group that really focuses on a variety of things one is creating a community internally 
Two is a think tank, so women can really come together and uh, uh, bring up uh, potential issues or things that they think we could do better firm-wide. Right. And for example, uh, we actually identified early on that our maternity policy was not up to what it could have been. It wasn't as competitive. And uh, the ERG was really instrumental wow. to bring that up to our HR and make the necessary changes to actually now have a great maternity leave That's policy and paternity, by the way. Grassroots, yes. leading from the employees versus top down. Exactly. And so, and the other thing is that uh, we are really trying to find opportunities like the one with Luminary right now uh, to create strong partnerships outside also of Hydric mm -hmm. where we can have our members participate and be part of the dialogue, not only internally, but externally. Yeah. Uh, so Hydric has also, as you pointed out, you're right, extremely committed into uh, DNI. And so it's not just a word. So for example, there are other programs that Hydric has invested in. For example, one is called O, is, uh, is A-W-E, and it stands for uh, Accelerating Women Excellence. Mm. And we launched it last year. And we basically, uh, have, it's an external company that you know comes in mm -hmm. and we elect 24 women per year, senior women across the firm globally, that they participate in this program. And this program has a lot of different areas of, um, of activities. The outcome is really trying to help women really get the top jobs, the P&L mm -hmm. jobs within the right. firm. Um, but what this program does is, you know, a variety of events where we come together and is learning and development. But the probably part that to me was more um, surprising and and it has been a game changer, has been the ability of this program to create a community mm -hmm. around these 24 women. Right. Now these 24 women are friends mm -hmm. and they help each other and they listen to each other uh, and I think that happened because we had the opportunity to spend time to together. together and really listen to each other's strength weaknesses struggles and uh, and that's something that I find uh, in general women a little bit struggle to create mm -hmm. because they're so busy no absolutely and I think there also there's this intimidation factor right yeah. I don't know you I don't necessarily feel comfortable telling you my struggles is that a sign of weakness and I think we hear so much uh, particularly now about founders and entrepreneurs and people taking risks and it doesn't apply to everyone mm -hmm. and so people within companies uh, small medium and large are saying well wait a second I need I need a community I'm not going to be or I probably am not likely going to necessarily be a small business owner or entrepreneur but I work in a company and I need to feel supported and I want to do that and build a community within which is critically important as you accelerate your career whether you want to be the CEO or you just want to continue to learn yes absolutely and I think it's also important because in my opinion I always say there is no general without an army so it's really hard first of all it's very hard to get there without having a community around you that supports you to get there but even when you are up there 
it's even harder to stay there if you don't have that community. Absolutely. And that is for men and women, honestly, because if you have the top job, well, guess what? Everybody wants that. Absolutely. <laughs> Internally or externally. So you need to like have you need to have created that community around you that helps you also stay there. Absolutely, hundred percent. And you just mentioned men, and uh, as you know, one of the critical points uh, that we focus on here at Luminary is that we are inclusive and diverse, but mm-hmm. that we welcome men because yeah. we are never going to change the numbers at the top, the numbers at in the board, uh, or around the table without their support. So how important is it to yes. include men in these conversations? Yes, absolutely. And so it's it's key to answer your question with one word. And um, I would say that and Hydric has involved men extensively within the firm. So in this old program, for example, we all, these 24 women are assigned also to sponsors, not just mm-hmm. mentors, not just exactly. coaches. Sponsors, <laughs> big difference. Big yes. difference. And those sponsors are men because we want them in the conversation. We want them to understand what's going on. We, we want to collaborate, Absolutely. right? It's not us versus them by any means. And, and Heidrich, you were asking me in terms of before, in terms of what Heidrich has done, in terms of leading the DNI dialogue, I think that is a very important piece that they always remind also their clients to really bring everybody together. And Heidrich also has created a lot of different uh, services on the consulting side, for example, in addition to the recruiting, of course, a more diverse slate, but also on the consulting side to help the firm mature and get to that level where you really can grow diversity and embrace it and and really let it uh, flourish. Yeah, absolutely. So back to sort of you and your, as you've accelerated in your career, what's the best advice outside of what you talked about earlier on doing what you love and finding that Mm -hmm. the money will come? What's the best advice you've received and or given? Received? Uh... Spend no more than 20% on the problem and 80% on the solution. Because I found that early on in my life, and I think it's probably very common, but at least yes. for me it was true, I was spending so much time in thinking about all the different parts of the problem. Mm-hmm. And then when I get to the solution, I'm exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yes. And so if you can just spend very little time on the problem, that usually cannot, you can identify pretty easily. And all the energy on the solution, things wow. will move much quickly. Yeah. Um, the one that I've given, uh, I don't know if it's the best, but it's one that I give all the time. I say hope is not a strategy. And I find people, and hope is a very important part mm-hmm. of what you should be feeling as you execute your strategy. Yeah. But they're two different things. And so that's what I usually say. That's, a gr- that's great because I think people often, regardless of the, what, where they're at in their career, what they're doing, there is a lot of like, oh, I hope this is going to go well. Right. That, that, and that's great to have that and have yeah. faith mm-hmm. in what you're doing and believing in what you're doing in yourself, but you need more than that. Right. right? You need a strategy. You need a strategy. <laughs> I tell people all the time, you need a business plan if you're launching a business. Right. Don't just go in there with a deck um, because you really do, because that keeps you that ha- that keeps you where there's a North Star. Right. And that also keeps you on a plan to execute so that when you're looking at that, problem you are only spending the 20% and 80% on the solution or resolution yes yeah amazing um talking again personally from from your own belief what do you think the biggest challenge facing women is today I think is really this um 
ability or or this understanding that creating a community in the workplace is really important and spending and that involves spending the time to actually create the, those relationships mm-hmm. and really think through of how you can add value to the person next to you uh, so that you can ask for help also at the same time. It's a two-way uh, street. And so I think creating that community is something that would really help women get there, I, I would say, faster, faster. And, and better in a more sustainable way. Totally agree. Totally agree. I think that's a... That's a we have to start getting comfortable with that. We yeah. have to. Um, yeah. And because, and it, this is not, again, for us versus them. Men have been doing it forever. Yes. We have to get comfortable. I think we women like to get in smaller groups and do mm-hmm. that, and that's fine. Then make, make sure you have an abundance of those small groups right. that you're getting your message out there and that, yes, you're asking, but you're also giving too, Absolutely. right, to your two-way street. Okay, so as, as we talk about the, the name of the podcast is Come Sit at Our Table. That's also our tagline at Luminary. How are you, Elisabetta, inviting other women to the table or making room? So I would say in a variety of different ways. Uh, through the role that I have uh, within ERG, clearly I try to create opportunities for our women in, to get to the table internally and externally. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of different roles that they can play internally to promote their practice, or to um, have practice their voice into yeah. meetings, depending on what levels they are. And externally, they have the opportunity to mingle and come to, you know, opportunities like this, like Luminary, where they can present their, um, what they know, mm-hmm. what they do, and, and uh, really create a different network Absolutely. that really could help for them. And uh, personally, on my day-to-day with my team, uh, I really try to listen to what they want first. I think I mentioned to you in the past, uh, sometimes in, I made a mistake to actually think that people always want the same things. <laughs> yeah. So everybody wants to be a partner or in the same way. Uh, it's not true. So first I listen. Yeah. And second of all, I, uh, try, I try to help them really get to there if there is anything that they feel uncomfortable, really kind of bridge that gap of confidence. And then I step out of the way. Yeah, because like you said in that in that conversation, we we automatically assume that everybody wants the same thing we do when yeah. they're working for us. Right. And that's absolutely not the case. It's understanding that they may have a different path and how do you get them on that path? Exactly. It may be, you know, getting to what you're doing or becoming you mm-hmm. in a sense and as you rise up, but but I love that because it's really important to listen. Yeah. Um and then finally, who is your luminary? I have a few. Absolutely. Uh, That's good. (laughs) So in uh, the field of recruiting or executive search, I would say it was a a very famous and talented partner at Hydrake, Jerry Roach. Um, He was extremely talented and generous with... uh, people okay and I think that is something that people sometimes forget Mm -hmm. so uh, and he was very active in the community he was giving back and uh, and he made him as just a a fantastic charismatic person that really had a heart in the right place and gave great advice to clients and candidates and uh, and really was focused on bringing everybody up authentic leader authentic leader that's right 
The other person on more of the uh, women empowerment mm-hmm. was uh, uh, Madeline Fow. Madeline was a partner at Hydric and uh, uh, moved into a senior advisor role. And it was my first uh, coach that I had when I was oh, at wow. Hydric. And uh, in talking about spending uh, 20% of the time on the problem and 80 on the solution, she would not leave, even let you spend 2% wow. on, the, on, the, on, the on the problem. problem. She would basically, you would start with, you know, something that bothers you or that you didn't get or you're trying to achieve and she would stop you after the first sentence. Well, you had probably three paragraphs, right, to talk about. (laughs) And three, yeah, three, I mean, three words and then she would say, okay, so what are you doing about it? Yeah. And then you were like, what I haven't finished what I wanted to tell you, it doesn't matter. What are you doing about it? And she had this ability to really uh, always make it about you. It wasn't about her. Right. It was about how do I help you get closer to what you're looking for. Uh, and, and that it was magical, really. True role model. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And true luminaries, both true of luminary, them. True luminary, yes. Well, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much for, number one, coming on the Come Sit at Our Table podcast, two, being a luminary yourself, and three, being a part of our luminary community. Thank you so much for having me. Again, extremely flattered. Great. Thank you, Kate.